Welcome, heathens and possibly Christians. How are you guys doing today? Uh, today we're going to be talking with Ben Rice. If you guys don't remember, he's the cauliflower guy uh, in my one of my recent videos that, that I uh, did a response on. So, um, you know, I, I reached out to him and I uh, contacted him to see if we could set up a talk. And uh, that's what we're doing here today. We've each got five questions that we're both going to be going through, posing them back back and forth to each other. Likely, this is going to be split up over multiple videos. So, uh, if you will follow or subscribe to me, if you want to follow this, um, and then uh, Ben right now is going to give you his information. I, I suggest you go subscribe to him and watch his stuff too. So, Ben, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it, John. So just for those that are interested, my website is freshmorningmana.com. Um, don't, uh, don't go there if you're, you're looking for the best website. Um, so, but it is a lot of good fresh content and, uh, you know, something that I'm trying to improve and make better, but, um, yeah. So before we kind of dive in and for those viewers that are going to be watching, I want to make it very, um, very known that I don't pretend to speak for all Christians. I don't pretend to, um, even speak for some I'm, I'm here just to represent myself and what I believe the, uh, the scripture holds true. Um, and, not only that, too, I wanted to kind of um, explain why it is that I take a more presuppositional approach um, than that of an evidential approach. Um, and the reason for that is I find that it's very unfruitful when speaking to an atheist or speaking, speaking to somebody who um, ultimately is not standing on God's word as their authority. Um, by going with, with evidence and things of that nature, it's not that I'm trying to um, negate it or, or move away from or try to, you know, not support scripture with evidence, but rather um, I understand that both of us are going to come at it from two different worldviews um, and worldviews that obviously conflict with one another. And so therefore we're going to put our own interpretations um, on those. So that's why I take a more presuppositional approach. I believe that God has in fact proven his existence to all of mankind, in which case um, he does that by design because he's a, he's a good and true and faithful God. And if he had proved his existence to me and not to John, um, then we, I wouldn't serve such a God. And so I know that that can come across arrogant or come across like I know more than what's in John's head, but um, I believe in absolute truths. And I think that that's why um, even in this discussion with our questions, they're going to come at it from a presuppositional approach as well. So, um, but that's, that's me in a nutshell. So John, did you want to tackle the first question or would you rather that I did? Uh, no, you can go ahead with your first question. Okay. So uh, my first question is on what grounds and at what point within the evolutionary worldview um, can he or she account for morality? Okay. Uh, well, uh, on what grounds, I would say that uh, it, it concerns with how our, our species has evolved uh, through societies. If you just take a look at how society in general has evolved, I think that that uh, you know gives a precise uh, ground for where morality kind of lies, um, because with each type of society, as society becomes more progressive, as it becomes more modern, morality changes and it's set by the societies. Um, okay. And then at what point in the evolutionary worldview? Um, yeah, I feel like you're asking here is, you know, at what point in evolution did that start to develop? And I would say that it's the point between us being 
you know, sort of like a mix between, um, you know, these the, the other apes, you know, what, what we generally think of as an ape and the first humans that were developing tribes and societies. I think that that is kind of the, the ground in which that uh, uh, started, uh, if you will. Sure. Do you mind if I ask a little bit of a follow-up question to that? Um, is that okay? So if, so at which grounds is it that evolution and, or, or that morality, excuse me, um, has developed? And so you're saying that with apes, that that's kind of where the starting point was for you? Well, I mean, let me be clear. Uh, we're apes now. We're still okay. part of the great ape family. Uh, but it's when, uh, like, as far as at what point in evolution did morality start to uh, sort of become prominent, I would say that it's that transition between these small hunter-gatherer groups to much larger hunter-gatherer groups. Maybe even, like, you could, you could probably point out some semblance of morality within those small hunter-gatherer groups. But I, sure, I just sure. think that as groups get larger, it becomes a lot more prominent in the society. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm curious because if morality is, is something that has been developed through that of evolution, um, and of course, you know my position, in which case I'm, I'm a little confused by um, what matters. So if I were to mix, you know, vinegar and baking soda, at which point would it produce consciousness if we're talking about matter? But a follow up to that, I guess my question to be a little bit more specific is, you believe in the laws of logic, I would assume, and the laws of logic are that of, you know, the law of non-contradiction, the law of, um, uh, you know, the law of identity, okay? So if laws of morality developed first, and when did laws of, of logic come into being? Because if, if one has developed and we've determined that murder, okay, we feel that murder is in fact incorrect, if we don't have the law of logic behind it to tell us what murder is, then it almost seems as if it's it's counterproductive. I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm asking um, chicken or an egg, really, which came first? And so is it, if, if laws of, of logic came first and we were able to identify things, then we would have no moral obligation uh, to fulfill such things. So I, I guess, what, what would you say to that? I mean, how, how does that make sense within your worldview um, from coming of something that's immaterial, something that's invariant, something that is universal, something that's abstract, something that's conceptual, uh, such as murder, okay, something that is a law of morality, such as murder as the example, um, or thou shall not steal, okay, those are abstract thoughts. Those are invariant, invisible, um, conceptualized. At which point did that of matter give evolution or it for it to emerge from that? Um, and then when it did, how are you able to identify what murder is if laws of logic haven't yet come alongside it at the same time? Okay. Well, uh, murder uh, is a human construct. Uh, we developed the, the, the whole idea of murder, what murder is. Uh, we we kind of came up with it. We defined what murder is. Not exactly how you really factor in laws of logic with, with like what murder is because you're right, murder is this abstract thought, but, but that's why it's defined by us. Um, and, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to keep track of, of everything that you kind of said there. Um, like ch chicken, chicken or the egg, the egg definitely came first. Uh, just, just to settle that right now, egg comes first because stuff had to evolve into a chicken. Um, 
and so, I, like, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly, uh, did, did I answer your question? No, not necessarily, because here's, so if you take a termite as an example, a termite has a symbiotic uh, creature living within his stomach that actually takes the wood and digests it and makes that a glucose. Now that symbiotic creature cannot survive without the termite and the termite can't survive with that uh, other than the creature. So they are both dependent upon one another. And so my question is, if evolution, and I'm sure that you probably take the stance of altruism and you probably, uh, probably lean in that direction as far as being able to give an account of how it is that evolution gave the birth, I guess, would be the right terminology to that of something like, um, you know, um, laws of morality, laws of logic and so forth. And we'll get there. That will be an, another question. But um, I guess what I'm trying to find out is if you have laws of morality, OK, is, is it subjective or is it objective? Is it dependent upon each individual to determine what their reality is and what murder is defined as? Or is it something that's objective that had been written there upon the hearts of men from time? Uh, well, okay, okay. So, yes, now that we're back on track. Uh, first of all, murder hasn't always been wrong. Um, for you to say that it's always been wrong or that it's written on everybody's hearts, then, you know, you're, you're really – kind of throwing out a, a, a lot of things there. Like, for one thing, history. Uh, a lot of history has murder taking place, and it hasn't been seen as wrong. If you think of the, uh, you, you know, the, the whole idea of warring states, like you have in the Bible. You have Joshua that's, like, surrounding a city and is going in to kill everybody. You also have um, the sons of Jacob, uh, that are moving through the land and they <laughs> practically sell their sister to these people. And then after they've all been circumcised, they go in and kill everybody. Like, Absolutely. Uh, you, you, you in, in some sense, you could call that murder because it's, it's this one group going in and murdering an entire town. Uh, okay. You know, if, if you were to transpose that in today's terms, you could say, like, what if a gang surrounded a city, had them all, you know, circumcise themselves and then go in and, and kill all of them? You would still say that that was wrong, but because it's in the Bible, apparently it's fine. So sure. even in the Bible, you have murder being okay at one point under certain circumstances. So... That's why it, it's a human construct, this whole idea of murder. And, and the whole idea of morality in general is a human construct. So, um, Well, I, if, I can, if I can follow up to that, John, just so – and I apologize if I do, do go into a couple of tangents. That's just I, – I, I warned you that before you decided to have me on. So, but, um, so here's the thing. I, this is what kind of amazes me about atheists and those that take a stance against that of Christianity and sola, uh, sola scriptura is that, uh, you know, they tend to rip things out of context. And I would love to do a Bible study with you and talk to you about certain uh, events, in which case killing. And that's the proper definition. There is a difference between that of killing and that of murder. Um, there were absolute times that called for killing um, and killing those that were in rebellion against the things of God. Um, and I won't pretend that that's not in Scripture because it's it's everywhere. And that is a part of, you know, when the Israelite nation, when they were bringing, they marched in an army and they 
they were all equipped and they were ready to go to battle. And so you had the pagan nations, the Philistines, Goliath uh, chopping off of his head. I mean, you can you could sit and, and extrapolate all kinds of things out of there to indicate that that scripture is not a means for morality. However, one must, if they have an, an open mind and they are um, giving scripture the benefit of the doubt and they're reading it, not just from their worldview, they'll realize that there is an absolute distinct difference between that of killing and that of murder. Scripture says thou shall not murder. That's why I don't subscribe to the NIV version and, or any other, um, you know, you have to look into the Greek and the Hebrew, which I'm actually learning some Hebrew. So, you know, it's, you have to be mindful of that. And so there were times in which case it called for defending your family. You know, Christ told his, uh, his disciples to buy a sword and they said, Lord, we, we have two swords. Is that enough? And he said, yes, it was for defense, but also too in the old covenant, you have to understand, and this is maybe a difficult topic and I didn't want to quite get into it right now until our further questions, but God is light and in him is no darkness, in which case, um, any wherever he is in his presence, darkness flees. And so when you have a nation outside of Israel uh, sacrificing their children to the God of Molech or the God of Dagon and literally cutting their babies apart and sacrificing them, burning them in the fire, uh, the commandment was by Joshua to come and to, to kill. Um, when he went into the promised land, he went into the promised land with the intent of killing the giants. Um, and so, you know, there is... Sure. I think, you know, if, you know, if there isn't ever a time where you'll have me back on your show to do a Bible study to look into each and every circumstance where killing is seen, you'll see that it is actually justified and it is um, God is a God of justice. And, and, and I think that's really what bothers me the most is that atheists and those kind of make out Christians to be these, you know, these Steve Urkels. Okay, these mandy pamby weak little people that can't really well, um, it, you know, that they're just pushovers. But some of the strongest Christians I've ever met have um, have a backbone, and they're they're men and women of God who can who can stand up. So, you know, going back to my question though, as far as morality. Um, Here's the thing. If, if one were to think that it's subjective, then that goes and leads right into the question of why, why I guess, in your worldview, would you hold Mr. Cauliflower or Mr. Broccoli accountable if it is? I mean, obviously, it happens from a genome uh, from the gene um, and it's evolved. Do you do you subscribe to altruism? Do you, is that your worldview when it comes to morality? Um. Well, I, well, okay. Look, as far as like uh, holding broccoli accountable for violations of morality, I, I think that that's uh, that, that that's an unfair straw man, is what you're doing, because that's not in any case what I'm saying. There's a okay. clear difference between me, humans, with our higher evolved brain functions, and sure. uh, you know other things. Uh, hold hold on one second. Sorry about that. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's a clear difference between me and a piece of broccoli. I'm not saying that there's like a particular gene in our in our in our genome that accounts for morality. That that's an unfair straw man uh, attack on my position. Um, okay. And what I'm saying is is that morality is a product of our higher brain function. Um, and as far as out 
altruism. I'm, I'm looking up the definition just so that I'm altruism. It's a basically <laughs> um, if you go to humansandnature.org, a lot of you know Richard Dawkins and Aaron Raw and really common atheists would subscribe to that being the means in which it produced morality. Um, but you have even top professors and biologists, uh, scientists who have got on those shows and, and couldn't explain concepts such as love or couldn't explain concepts such as morality. And that happens to be the topic we're on. So I guess just to refresh what my question was, is that what came first? Was it thou shall not murder, thou shall not steal, thou shall not bear false witness? Did that come first? And if it did, then where, how are you able to identify such concepts without the law of logic telling you of the law of identity? Okay. Um, well, I mean, those are, as far as these morality, these bits of morality go, they're developed over time. They're, like we couldn't have large societies that existed without those kind of basic concepts for a society. Um, if you just look at like the Wild West, you know, uh, things were, were basically anarchy. Um, you could go out into the street and shoot somebody. Um, that could be considered murder and it wasn't seen as wrong back then. Um, and... To, to say that, that you need the law of logic, the law of identity in order to, to have a set of standards by which your society is ruled by, I think that that's, uh, you know, a, a, a bit of a straw man too because uh, – or, or maybe not a straw man, but it, it's a logical fallacy because you don't need the laws of logic uh, in order to set – a uh, you, you know a, a set of standards in which to rule a society by. No, 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 no. I, I think maybe you're getting the two confused because laws of logic, law of non-contradiction, the law of identity. I know there's one that has to do with the, the middle, which basically comports with um, you know the law of identity. Excuse me. Um, so what my question is: so if it, the law of identity, how we know something to be something, you're a human being this is a dog, this is a cat. The law of identity tells us what things are. The law of morality, okay, if it is in fact subjective, right, and, and, and it's not objective, meaning that it's not written upon the hearts of men like my position holds because it's been written there by design to show you that you're a sinner and you're in need of a savior. That's the purpose. I can account for that in my worldview. What I'm asking is in your worldview, if laws of morality developed first and as a society, it believed that it was better and somehow changed course from that what was normal because it went from natural selection and ultimately progression through death, it changing and maybe maybe as you're shaking your head, maybe I, I misunderstand your position and I would love to hear that. But how did it change course and essentially through morality, with morality – if we've all agreed that murder is wrong without the laws of logic and the law of identity, how are you able to state that that is in fact murder? That's my question. Well, uh, uh, okay. So first of all, it didn't go from, you know, natural selection and death to, Oh, look, don't murder. Like that, 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 that doesn't make sense. That's, that's a non sequitur because no, it's humans don't cause natural selection. There is a, a type of it called, um, called uh, 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 so, um, well, uh, what is it called it's it's an unnatural selection uh, where humans are, are actually selecting certain things out to evolve 
it's escaping me right now, but humans don't cause like natural. It's not like humans have a superpower that they just point and be like natural selection kind of thing. You know, that, 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 that does make sense. That's a not, that's a non sequitur. Um, but as far as the law of identity goes, um, I would say that our concept of what murder is has changed throughout time as well. Like it, not, not just the, the bare bones of it, of like one, one person killing another person, but like, you know, uh, like for instance, you're, you're saying that, um, you know, you, you, there's a difference between killing somebody and murder. And Absolutely. if there's an immigrant that is that a foreigner right now that that's like in the United States and you kill him, that would be murder. But if you're outside of the United States in certain situations, it becomes, you know, just killing or, you know, war or whatnot. So, I mean, we have these very, very different distinctions. Also, throughout wars across time, you have soldiers that go in and they kill innocent people. That I would call murder. Do you, would you say that that is not murder? Like if somebody, like let's say one of our U.S. troops goes into a village uh, rapes and kills a little girl. Would that be a murder or would that just be wartime tomfoolery? Well, I, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm, I'm, I don't mind answering that question, but I guess I, I, I want to find out a little bit more specifically your position on how morality, because I mean, the question was on what grounds and at what point within the evolutionary worldview can he or she account for morality? And so the question is, what grounds do you have? And then the second question to that is at what point? And I know earlier you had said that possibly through apes. And so an ape, um, you know, if first off, an ape has to not only be self-aware, but also, too, has to be aware of the laws of logic to be able to determine what murder is. Um, and so when at that point for you, I guess, it, it, when can you account for that? I'm trying to get a specific answer because – it, for me, like I told you earlier, um, like I told you earlier, such things such as, you know, if we, you're talking the difference between subjective and objective, if it is subjective and each person can define what murder is to them, which I think is what your follow up question was about the military person um, going over and raping a girl and killing a girl. OK, what for me. I know that that's murder because it's objective, because it's written. It's something written within our DNA that every single man, every single human being knows that's wrong. Okay. But I think you're confusing the two between murder and killing. And there is a difference. And contextually in scripture, there is an absolute difference. But, but since the question is still, I guess we can move on if you don't, if you feel like you've answered and I haven't understood, I, I'm trying to find out from you, John, if, if murder is subjective, meaning that all of us just embrace it because that individual just thinks that it's wrong because they evolved somehow to believe that it's wrong, then what happens if they didn't have the law of logic or the law of identity to tell them this is murder? I mean, it's, it's, it's almost, you have to have, you know, like that termite analogy, you know, with the, with the uh, symbiotic creature, they can't survive without one or the other. So, Laws of logic and laws of morality, I, I can give an account for that because in my worldview, God, he's invariant, meaning he never changes. He's universal, meaning it applies to everywhere, everyone and everywhere. And he's conceptual, meaning we conceptualize. And so in my worldview, murder is wrong because he says thou shall not murder. And it is against and contrary to his nature. And so I guess in your worldview, when 
did we evolve to all of a sudden, and I know social laws, you know, social, a social norm is, is very different than, um, than that of an objective thing, is it not? I mean, you know, my social norms, whether you use a fork or chopsticks, that's a, sort, a social norm. But that's not what I'm talking about. You speak to anyone, the majority, not the majority, everyone knows that murder is wrong. And so how and when does these things come about if it happens that one? Go ahead. You can't, you can't say that everybody knows murder is wrong. You can't okay. say that. Explain, because uh, this goes into to, to my question number two, is if you say that everybody knows that murder is wrong, how do you explain psychopaths and sociopaths? Sure. They don't know that it's wrong innately. They're told that it's wrong, but they don't see it as a wrong thing to do. So how would you explain that? And I would also like to throw in a couple things. Um, one, God explicitly tells people to go in, take a town over, and take the women and the small children for their sex slaves. That's directly in the Bible. Second That's of all, there's a quote, there's a verse in Isaiah that where God says that he creates both light and darkness. So I don't understand the concept of God scaring away the darkness, kind of like it's a little kid. Uh, and then, of course, the morality changes over time. If you even look at Christianity in general, you will see how morality has changed. It's changed on um, the view of women. It's changed on the view of uh, slavery and slaves. It's changed on the view on uh, how you should treat your children. Like, it's changed on a lot of different things. Sure. Well, I mean, the first thing you just brought up, and I think – you know, I, I'm, and I think it's fair on both sides that we're both going to bring in examples and certain things that not either of us are going to be able to answer because there's a lot that's being covered here. So I, I ask that the viewers, if we don't hit upon every point, it's not that I bypassed or I tried to avoid the question. So in response to God creating light and creating darkness, the actual context there, John, if do you read Hebrew? Do you speak Hebrew? Mm, no. Okay. Yeah. Have you, I mean, when, and I know you were a former no, Christian, but, but you I, see my inability to speak Hebrew or read Hebrew does not negate me being able to read the Bible and read what it actually says. It's okay. special to well, what you're doing right now. Well, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm appealing to the ultimate authority, which is scripture, which is sola scriptura, in which case that verse, when it says he created, okay, you have to look at the context there. It's created and formed. There are two differences by God being light and him actually creating something. He's an all consuming God, in which case he created this earth. And so there was emptiness. And so for him to be light, wherever he's not, there's darkness. And so it, you have to look at the, the, the two terms there. So you can't rip that out of context. Um, let me address one real quick. And this is the one that has really just kind of irked me that the majority of atheists will go to to support this idea that rape is okay since we're on the issue of morality and if it's okay with you john um we can go to your question um is that okay do you mind if i do that real quick um so uh, the the most famous chapter and verse that they use and pull out of context is that of deuteronomy chapter 22 when it talks about the woman being sold for 50 shekels after it was she was suppo supposedly raped 
Okay, so that is the, like the, the go-to chapter for the majority of atheists to support this idea that rape and murder have not been consistent within the actual Bible. So let me, for your viewers' sake, for those that have not, um, are not up to date on this, the, the atheists will present this as a means to support that there's a woman in a field, she's crying, man comes along, goes ahead and rapes her, goes and then it's found out, the deed is found out, and all you have to do is pay the father 50 shekels of silver or what have you. Um, again, completely being ripped out of context. So the context here, and this is actually from Cambridge University, it's a Bible written from 1823. Okay, this is one of the rarest Bibles in the world, in which case this is, is, is extremely old. Hopefully you can see that. Um, and ultimately, um, I paid over $4,000 for this Bible, and the actual rendering of the Greek and the Hebrew is um, very important here when you get into, into, into context. But even within the NASB version and the King James version, it's all consistent with that of the Cambridge University um, pub, uh, publication. So if you look at this verse, okay, let me read it to your viewers since they're not maybe up to date on it. Um, verse 26 of chapter 22, but you shall do nothing to the girl, uh, or excuse me, 25. But if in the field the man finds the girl who's engaged and the man forces her and lies with her, then only the man who lies with her shall die. Again, morality being consistent because if a woman was raped and abused, now this is before that of Jesus and his death and his burial and resurrection, Okay, in which case finds a woman who's engaged, meaning she's committed already to a man and he pulls her and he rapes her, then only the man shall die. Now, notice the context here in verse 26, but you shall do nothing to the girl. There is no sin in the girl worthy of death. For just as a man rises against his neighbor and murders him, so in this case, when he found her in the field, the engaged girl cried out, but there was no one to save her. Verse 28, but if a man finds a girl who is a virgin, who is not engaged, and the word there seizes, which is consistent with that of the NASB, the King James, the new uh, King James Version, the only one that renders that differently is the NIV, which I feel is blasphemy, and it is absolutely not something that I would take as ultimate authority. But that word there seizes, okay? Now notice here the context. Here, her, and lies with her, and they are discovered, meaning that both of them were participating in the act and having sex. Now, here's the violation. Just like God the Father, okay, Jesus the Son, we are the bride. He is the husband. We are the bride. Okay, this is a violation against that of the Father because it is that he did not commit her to that husband in marriage. Okay, it was supposed to, it was a, a benediction or a rendering and giving of your daughter and of your, your virgin of your daughter. And then the man who laid with her shall give to the girl's father 50 shekels of silver and she shall become his wife because he has violated her. He cannot divorce her all his days. And a man shall not take his father's wife so that he shall not uncover his father's skirt. So again, the violation is that of the father. It has nothing to do with the daughter. The daughter is, in fact, the one that voluntarily went into the field, had sex with the man before it is that her, her father gave her the blessing. And in which case, the violation was that of the father. And again, that's where the man will pay the father 50 shekels because he violated her and the father. And now he's committed to her in marriage all the days of his life. Now, marriage was considered having sex back in those days. So that that right there in a nutshell is one of many verses that I've heard you on your, your YouTube channel and many others that have taken scripture out of context. Um, but, you know, at any point in time, if you would like to do a Bible study and you want to go line by line, verse by verse, I'm more than welcome to do that. But for right now, I just wanted to cover that at least.
Um, so your question, if you want to ask me that, John. Huh? Uh, your, your question. Well, uh, as far as, as I, I, you know, I really find it funny that you have to go to a very specific version of the Bible in order to support your argument. Uh, sure, I, I can argue it. I, I, I get it. I do. But you cannot you, you, you cannot just throw out all these other versions of it. That's understand. You're, doing. you're specially pleading for your case. Well, here's the thing. On my ultimate authority, okay, is sola scriptura, in which case it derives from Greek and Hebrew. And I'm learning Hebrew to make sure that I'm staying consistent. Um, now, with that, um, the NASB Bible, King James Bible, multiple different Bibles have have been basically without question and un, undoubtedly reliable and, and something that has been. And here's what's funny is that everybody goes, well, hey, you know, from it was translated and then retranslated and on and on and on it goes. And they make these claims, but people have no idea the rendering of the text, in which case it didn't go from from Greek and Hebrew to English and then English to Spanish and then from Spanish to Latin and Latin from from all these other different languages. What they did is they t went to the original Greek and Hebrew and they translated it from its original uh, actual translation into their language. That's the rendering of the text. Now, as far as NIV goes, I, I, I think you would find it consistent within Christian circles. Again, I, I came on here stating that I can only speak for myself, but I think you would find it consistent with Christian circles that they're in agreement that the NIV um, has a, the very same message of the gospel and it has the ultimate um, message behind it, which is salvation through Jesus Christ. But I don't think, I don't know of any Bible uh, student or any Bible college that would render the NIV to be something that they would go through uh, or go to for their ultimate authority. Um, and so uh, valid, I see your point. I obviously disagree and we can move on to your question if you'd like. Well, I mean, that that aside, that's not like a crux of any kind of moral argument that, that goes with, you know, the whole rape deal. Now, you say that you follow the Ten Commandments. Well, why, why is it that you follow the Ten Commandments, but yet you just totally disregard the rest of the laws that God laid down in that area of the Bible? Like, for instance, do you think that homosexuals should be stoned to death? Well, I, I, we're getting off topic, John, and 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 I think talking about morality and how morality has changed right now. Currently, Christianity doesn't think that you should stone a homosexual, but obviously, at some point in the past, God said, "Hey, that guy over there is is with another dude. Go and stone them both because they should be killed. It's their fault." Why yeah. has that changed? It hasn't changed, and that's the difference. Is, oh, is okay, so, so you think that homosexuals should be killed? Good. Well, let me. Can I can I finish my thought or no? Um, so here's the thing. So uh, let me put it to you this way. Okay, the law. For example, the Ten Commandments. Okay, you ask any average Christian out there, and you ask them what was the purpose of the Ten Commandments, and most of them, the majority of them, and they're well intended, and they have good intentions and motives behind what they're going to give it as an answer for that. But the majority of them 
are going to tell you is given to give you some sense of morality, to give you um, the ability to know right from wrong. It was given to you for X amount of reasons, fill in the blank, whatever you want. Okay. But the primary purpose that's highlighted in scripture as why it was that God gave the 10 commandments and it was given 420 years after the fall of man that's found in Galatians, 420 years that man lived without the law of God written for them on tablets through found in that of Moses. The primary purpose was to put that upon the inside of man to show them that they were, in fact, a fallen creature and they were in need of a savior. It's no different than your three-year-old telling a three-year-old, whatever you do, don't spit on that bush. What is he going to do? He's going to hawk a loogie and spit on the bush when you turn your back. Okay, there is a sin nature that you and I and everyone here on the earth has inherited. It's called a sin nature, and that's something that is something very specific. It is contrary to the nature of God. So God put that law on the inside of man to show them that they were in need of a savior. So to answer your question, when you ask me why, you know, God changed all of a sudden we were killing people and killing homosexuals and raping people and blah, blah, blah. So here's the thing. The primary purpose of why homosexuality is wrong is not because it gives AIDS. It's not because it would conflict with your worldview because of that of evolution. Um, You can't advance and you can't ultimately progress. And so it's not even wrong for those reasons. It's not wrong because of of any other man-made reason. It's wrong because it's contrary to the nature of God. Stealing is wrong, not because it harms your neighbor or takes something from your neighbor or, or, or is subjective in that regard. Stealing is wrong is because God is not a thief. Okay, murder is wrong, not because of you and I having a dignity and a value in life. Murder is wrong is because God is life and in him is no darkness. Okay, so that's why that is the primary purpose. Now, the follow up reasons such as hurting your neighbor and, and, and ultimately those things, those are all true. But the primary motive and the primary reason that it's wrong is for those reasons. Homosexuality. Okay, or better yet, disobeying your parents, like what I saw you say on one YouTube channel when you were talking to somebody else and just kill them because they disobeyed their parents. Okay, disobedience is no different than any other type of act of sin. It falls short of the glory of God and anything that's not in him. Light, when it brings and when light is exposed and brought into darkness, darkness leaves. And so that's the point. It derives from the nature of God, and those things are wrong because they're contrary to the nature of God. Just like laws of logic or the law of non-contradiction, I can't be sitting and standing at the same time. Okay, If I were to tell you I'm sitting and standing at the same time, you would know that I'm speaking falsity. You would know that I'm not speaking the truth, in which case it's wrong and it's not consistent with the laws of God because God is logical. And so it, I hope you're understanding my point, but as far as homosexualities go and, and, and you know why it is that we don't stone them today is because sin found in James chapter four and five, scripture says that all, or excuse me, chapter three, um, all sin is equivalent with whatever other sin it is. So blasphemy, murder, adultery, homosexuality, all of those things fall into the same camp. It falls short of the glory of God, and Scripture said it's worthy of death. So that, if you want, for more understanding of that, you can read James chapter 2 and 3, and you can find that all sin is, in fact, equal in the eyes of God 
mankind is what puts levels of sin like this is more wrong than this and this is more wrong than that and we we work within those confines here on earth but in the eyes of god it's completely contrary to him and sin is sin is in his eyes and all sin has to pay atonement the wages of sin is death and so you will pay the wages of sin i will pay the wages of sin unless it is you have a mediator found in jesus christ Mm, okay, so so you're so basically to cut cut around everything, you're saying that we don't kill homosexuals now because of Jesus. I'm saying that we don't kill homosexual homosexuals. I'm saying that we don't kill our kids when they defy us. I'm saying that we don't kill an adulterer found in the act of adultery. Yes, I'm stating that ultimately the atonement for sin was paid for the behalf of mankind, in, in which case um, found in Jesus, and I pray that you find him. Yes. Okay. Um, so, so what you're saying is you a, a, a kid disobeying his parents is the same thing as me going out and killing someone. Uh, murdering somebody again. I, I think it's or important. Murdering, to however you want to state it or define it, me going out and murdering somebody or raping someone is the exact same thing as my son talking back to me. So, and I know you just made light of that, and you acted yeah, like yes or no. It's a yes or well, no question. Sin is sin, and it's worthy of death. Yes, all sin is the same in the eyes of God. Okay. To answer your question. But, you know, I want you to be very assured, John, that if anyone were to break into my home, I'd put a bullet in their head because I believe in protecting my family. God is just, in which case, that's how you can get justice from a consistent God, is that murder and killing are two different things. And I see people abuse that all the time. So let's, okay. if it's okay with you, I'd like to move on because I, I don't, I feel like we're we're tackling things that are rabbit trails instead of tackling the meat of the discussion. Okay. All right. Uh, well, we can, uh, we can go ahead and move on to the next question. Um, if uh, you guys uh, want to comment down below with your thoughts on things that I may have missed or that Ben here could have missed, please do that now.